Welcome to Lattes and Lifting. Grab a coffee and join us as we chat all about food, fitness, and finding your freedom. Through this podcast, we will help you navigate the fitness world stress-free. Hey, it's Jess. I am recording a cute little solo episode for you today, all about just some random running questions that I get all the time. So I thought, why not make a podcast? All the answers will be in the same place for everybody. Let's jump right in to the questions, starting with when do you need to add fuel to your runs? This is going to be a little bit individual, but generally somewhere between 60 to 90 minutes, definitely 90 minutes or more. You're going to want to start replacing those glycogen stores with more glycogen. So this is where we would bring in a carbohydrate mix that is straight up glycogen, or if gels are your thing, those are straight up carbs. What we don't want to be adding is fiber. Your body is doing other things when it's running, like running. So what we don't want it to be doing is digesting, which is why we use very simple carbohydrate blends or straight up glycogen to get to your muscles faster and give them fuel. We don't want them to spend a ton of time in your stomach digesting. Um, If you really want to use real food, cool, good for you. I don't know a lot of people that can, to be perfectly honest. Um, so before 90 minutes, if it's really hot out, you might want to try an electrolyte mix. Um, so with the company that I work with, that's going to be the hydrodurance. Um, the carb blend is going to be the glycodurance and that is also electrolytes as well. So that's when you add fuel to your runs. And then obviously you're going to want to keep adding if your runs are longer than 90 minutes, two hours. If it's a marathon, ultra marathon, then we get into a little bit of tricky nutrition the longer you go. Um, I've personally done an entire um, nine hours on just liquid nutrition, so it can be done. Next question. Speaking of nutrition, when do you add post-run recovery? Um, Anytime. Honestly, if you're doing sort of 5, 10 kilometers, like if you're doing 30, 40 minutes an hour, probably just have your next meal. You're not going to be too terribly depleted. If you're doing something over 90 minutes, yeah, we're going to want to have something right away. Best thing I can recommend for those people is to finish your carb drink. If you haven't finished it all, drink the rest. That's going to get those glycogen stores replaced. Um, People will tell you you need to get protein within the first 30 minutes. The anabolic window, that's not necessarily a thing. So yeah, it's a good idea to start refueling your body almost immediately, but you don't have to get protein within the first 30 minutes. If you're going to finish your drink and maybe have a shower and then just have a meal afterwards, that's cool. I know sometimes I don't feel like eating a heck of a lot or like a big meal right after. So if you want to replace some salt, uh, if you want to get some carbs into you and a little bit of protein, maybe a protein shake is for you. 
or a smoothie of sorts that can be nice to just sip on while you're doing your foam rolling or stretching or whatever you're doing afterwards. Um, but you can add a recovery at any time. The longer your run is, the more you're going to have to think about that because what we want to do is prepare you for the next run, right? We don't want your body to stay depleted and to um, your and to not recover for your next activity. Okay. Um, next question: Should I run with headphones? I don't know. Do you feel safe running with headphones? Do you? Uh, do you have headphones that are relatively waterproof? Do you need music to feel your run? I, like, I don't know. Yes, I do. Uh, most of the time I just run with one because I'm a female and, you know, it's kind of not super safe. Um, I, ones that I recommend, I really like the Jaybird Vistas. Um, that's what I, you do most of my runs with. They are waterproof. Um, so that's kind of nice. It gets really sweaty in there and they have a charging case. So if you're wearing one and you're going for a long run and you want to switch, your other one will charge up while you're running. All right. To follow that up, I should have probably looped this in with the nutrition questions, but what distance do you need a hydration pack or any of those types of things for? The answer is you can wear a hydration pack for any distance. I often wear mine because um, I don't like to carry a handheld water bottle. I have a whole bunch of posts about carrying handheld water bottles and how much I hate them. Um, whenever you think you're going to need to carry things that you don't want to hold in your hands. Uh, sometimes in mine, I will put a soft flask in one of the front pouches and my phone in the other. Um, and then leave the back pocket with nothing in it. So I don't have my bladder or anything when I'm doing a long distance, I might fill the bladder up and put it on my back and then have my phone and maybe something else in the other pocket. Uh, if you're on my email list, you would have seen or gotten the link to my YouTube video on my hydration pack tour. If you would like that, uh, let me know and I will send you the link. Um, and that's what I put in my pack for my 30k mountain run at Sinister 7. Um, so yeah, you can wear one for any distance. They have ones that are really more meant for minimal running or minimal carrying capacity. And they have ones that you can put a whole bunch of crap in. So find one that fits you, find one that you like. And then I like mine because it's very interchangeable if what, how I can load it. Um, how long do running shoes last? Again, this is really going to depend on what you're using them for. So if you tend to run in more of a shoe, like a minimalist shoe or a racing flat, they're going to wear out a lot faster than something that's got more cushion. Um, if you wear your road shoes all over the trails and they're getting muddy and wet, they're going to last a lot less than if you have a couple different pairs of shoes to wear in different conditions. If you are wearing your running shoes out walking all the time or as your everyday shoes, they're going to wear out a lot faster. Generally, running shoes are going to last somewhere between five and 800 kilometers. There's a few factors that are going to determine how fast they wear out, like what the cushion is made of, um, you know, that kind of thing, um, or what kind of a foot striker you are. If you have big cushion on the back and your heel striker, um, that part is going to wear down faster than 
the front. So generally I tell people, you know, somewhere between five and 800 kilometers. However, if all of a sudden you're running and your feet don't feel supported or they feel they're hurting or, you know, you've got foot pain that just hasn't been there before or some shin or calf pain that hasn't been there before. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. I would usually start with changing your shoes and just to see if that changes anything. Um, going along with that question, do I need multiple pairs in my rotation? Again, I don't know. Um, maybe I do. Um, I definitely would recommend if you're doing a mix of road and trail, have trail shoes. They are going to have a little bit different grip to help you out. Some of them might be Gore-Tex. Some of them might be not. Keep your feet a little bit drier in wet conditions if they are. Um, and they're also, some of them are going to have a metal plate in the sole that's going to keep your feet safe from rocks or harder ground. Um, there's also, you can get lighter shoes for racing. You can get shoes with some carbon or nylon plates in them for racing. It's going to give you a little bit more spring, make you feel a little bit faster. If you are, you know, sort of getting older, have some hip and knee, um, niggles, having a shoe with a lot more cushion is going to make your long runs more desirable. Um, and then you might want something a little lighter if you're doing track workouts or intervals and you want your feet to feel light. Um, I think I have three pairs of road shoes in rotation right now. One race shoe, one long distance trainer, one everyday trainer. And I have two pairs of uh, trail shoes right now, one Gore-Tex, one not Gore-Tex, the exact same shoe. So, um, I have five. Anything more is fine. Anything less is also fine. Um, having a couple different pairs, even if it's the same pair of road shoes and you just rotate them like every other run, especially if you found like a pair on sale or something like that, it's going to make your shoes last a heck of a lot longer and you're going to not have to buy a new pair of shoes randomly. Um, if you're going to be, uh, getting ready for a race and you think, oh, I might be near that five, five, 600 kilometer mark, maybe start a new pair of shoes a month before. Um, probably not a great idea to start a new pair of shoes right before. Um, how to pick a goal race. Lots of factors come into play when you're picking a race, pick a race that has a distance that you want to do. Pick a race that works with your travel plans. If you do not want to travel for a race, look local. If you don't want to race when it's cold, don't sign up for something that's called the hypothermic half marathon. Um, pick something that works with where you are in your training. If you're feeling like you want to do a half marathon, but you're only at maybe 10K right now, you're probably going to be looking at a late fall race for that. If you are feeling kind of speedy and you're like, Hey, you know what? I think maybe I should find like a local 5k and sign up and just sort of test myself. Yeah. You can probably jump into that right away. If you're planning a marathon, um, probably if you're not quite ready to run Edmonton thinking, probably you're looking at traveling somewhere warmer in the winter months. But if you're planning on doing that, know that you're either going to have to do your long runs outside when it's cold in the ice and snow, or 
you're going to have to put in a lot of treadmill work. So when you're thinking about a race that you want to do, let's say you want to travel to a destination like a Disney run or like the, you know, one of those ones where they have like firefighters give you Tiffany necklaces at the finish line in San Francisco. I can't remember the name of that run. Anyways, if you're thinking about that and let's say the race is in February in California, think about what the lead up is going to be. You're going to be doing your peaking around New Year's, right? You've got the holidays there. Are you going to be able to do that? And this is where having a coach comes in because if you don't know um, what your plan might look like, if I want to chat with somebody who's going to be making it um, and see like, hey, am I going to be able to make this work? Um, So there are lots of things to consider. Generally, the lead up for a race You're going to want probably four months to lead up to a marathon, probably three months to lead up to a half marathon and a month or two for a 10 K is probably good. Probably more like two. If you're starting at a five K five K, if you can run five K, you can do a race. If you can run five K, you can probably do seven or eight for sure. And if you can do seven, you can definitely do 10. And if you can do 10, you can probably manage a 10 miler, 16 kilometers. And if you can do a 10 miler, you can probably do a half marathon. And if you can do a half, you're probably okay for 30. And if you can do 30 and you can push yourself a little or you're willing, you can probably do a marathon, (laughs) but do you want to? Uh, that's the other thing. Do you want to do that distance? Do you want to do that race? Do you want to spend that money? Uh, different races come with different price tags. So it's important to keep that in mind as well. And then you can consider things like the swag, the environment, the atmosphere, um, whether it's a bucket list race or things like that go into your decision. Um, thinking about long runs or hard efforts. How do you prevent muscle cramping and why do they happen? Um, so I'm not talking about like a side stitch here. I'm talking about like my calf cramped up or my hamstring cramped or things like that. Um, generally it's going to be a cross between a little bit of dehydration and your muscles not having enough fuel or heat which can lead to the dehydration part. Like it or not, you are probably going to be digging yourself into a hole when you are running or doing your event. So you're not going to come out um, in a a surplus of nutrition. You are going to be in a deficit no matter how many calories you can get in because there's just no way you can keep up and be equal. Um, So generally what I do is I go back to what I can control. Can I change the pace to make it go away? Can I change my stride? Can I walk a little bit? And when I'm walking, I'm going to be taking in nutrition. Um, This is why when you're doing long races, it's a really great idea to bring your own. Generally, road races are going to have aid stations pretty close together. So you can probably make it to the next aid station and deal with it. Um, long race, like a trail run, things like that. Aid stations are going to be further and further apart. I know for my last race, which was Sinister 7, the aid stations on my leg were like 7 to 10 kilometers apart. That's a long time to go with a muscle cramp. I did get two. One was very sudden in my hamstring and one just kind of came on gradually um, in my adductor on the same leg. What did I do for both? I sucked back a heck of a lot of carbs. 
um, from my carb drink and I kept moving forward. Stopping is not going to help unless you absolutely need to. It is going, nutrition is going to be the key. Um, you might be able to stretch it. I honestly am not a big stretcher, so that didn't even occur to me. What occurred to me was just get your mouth on that hydration tube and get some nutrition into you. Um, and having a little bit extra made them go away. Movement is going to increase your blood flow, which is going to stop them from feeling so tight. And going along with that, blister prevention tips. Um, starting with shoes, make sure you have shoes that fit, make sure they're not too big, make sure they're not too small. Um, any type of friction is what it's going to cause a blister. So you're going to want to wear socks that you have worn before. You're going to want to wear socks that aren't too big. I like a very thin, tight fitting sock. Um, but they do have socks that are like double layered. So like the inner one is a little bit tighter than the outer, and then they just rub against each other and not rub against your feet. Sometimes blisters are just going to happen because you've been running in the mountains for five hours and there's a lot of friction happening. Um, I don't know a heck of a lot of people who just don't get blisters. You're very lucky if you, if this is you, um, but you can, if you, if you're in a very long race and you are going to be changing shoes or changing socks, it's always a good idea to keep your feet dry. Um, you can use a very light layer of baby powder. I wouldn't use too much because baby powder and water turns into cement. So if you use a ton, it's going to get gross. I would probably use more like a foot powder over actual baby powder. It's actually just formulated better for that. Um, it's very similar, but it's slightly different, um, and made to be in a sock. Um, so there's always that. And then you can use, if you get a blister in the same spot and you kind of know it's going to happen, um, they, you can get like the little sticks of like body glide. There is a specific foot one. I honestly don't think it's a different formulation than, um, the one that you would use for like chafing in your thighs or your armpits or your neck of a wetsuit. It's probably very similar. Put it where it might rub and it might help, um, the, the chafing down a little bit because the end result of chafing is probably going to be a blister or an open wound. Um, and then after, if you do have a blister, that's going to be up to you, whether you pop it or leave it. Um, I'm a blister popper. So, um, that's just who I am to my core. So I will drain it with a sterile needle and leave it there. Or if it just keeps coming back and it won't stay drained, I will cut a small hole in it with, um, like nail clippers and just either put a bandaid over it. If it's very sore, just let the air at it. Um, I do also really like new skin, which is liquid bandaid. It's going to hurt like you wouldn't believe, but it will help eventually if you can get through the first 20 seconds. Um, and the last question I'm going to be answering today is, is my smartwatch okay for running or should I get a run specific watch? Now, Jill and I have talked about, um, smartwatch metrics and things like that. If you are going to be doing running at a more 
I want to say serious level, but I don't think that's quite the language I want to use. If you're going to be using it for a lot of running, I would get a run watch that looks pretty. Um, it'll hold the charge a lot better for your, um, your longer activities. A lot of people I know that have used Apple watches, they find the charge doesn't last long enough for them to use it as their everyday watch and their running watch. So a Garmin is going to have charge time. And now I'm only speaking to a Garmin. I've never owned a Suunto, but I've heard really good things about them. So I would assume they're very similar. Um, my Garmin in particular has solar charging. So if I'm outside, it's going to be charging while I'm using it, which is always helpful in making things last a long time. Um, currently I'm sitting at five days worth of battery, which is great. I probably could do like a six hour run and be totally fine. I'm not going to go run for six hours, but you get the idea. Um, I could do a long run and still have a watch afterwards. Um, Watches like Apple Watches or Fitbits, they're just not designed for running. They're like your activity tracker, your steps, all those things. So if that's what you have, you can definitely make it work. Also know that the satellites are not necessarily going to be accurate for your distance. Um, Garmin has been doing this a very long time. They have it all figured out as far as satellites, even though there will be discretions between one person to another. It's just... It's just the way that it is. They're not 100% accurate, um, but it will be more accurate than if you're opening up like Strava on your phone or something like that and trying to track that way. Or I know um, for elevation and things like that, um, sometimes people with Apple Watches, they it just doesn't give them the same numbers as um, a more running specific watch. So find something that's in your budget, find something that you like, Find something that you want to wear. I know I didn't ever really want an Apple Watch because I don't want to have my phone be on my wrist all the time. I even have my my Garmin, my phone notifications are turned off. So um, sometimes I only have the text as a phone on. So that's just a personal preference there. I feel like I don't want to be that reachable. Um, there's tons of options. There's tons of sizes. There's tons of features. You don't need the fanciest watch to start running. Pretty sure when I started, I had like one of those Timex, like Iron Man, you know, just has like a stopwatch and I was just like timing it. I know my, my first Garmin was, um, it was like the, the most simple of Garmin's. Um, and I think it was huge. It was like, took up my whole wrist. Um, so they've come a long way in the fact that I have wrist-based heart rate and um, solar charging at the same time. Who'd have thought? Um, that's kind of the end of my running questions. If this has struck a chord with you um, and you, you have another question or you have a question about one of my answers or um, anything else running related, go ahead and send it to either the DMs of the podcast, which is at Lattes and Lifting Podcast over on Instagram. You can DM me directly at JLAC Fitness. Or if you want to leave a voice memo, I would love to hear from you and start a conversation about running. Thanks for tuning in. Always happy to have you and have a great day. Thank you.